Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games. And no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you and a lot to tackle as we start officially mandatory minicamp. The first of three days before the team breaks and then they will return for the start of training camp. And a reminder that you can interact with us multiple ways on this program. 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. As a reminder, you can also find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And we have our entire production team up and running again today, <laughs> so we should be able to squeeze in as much interaction as possible. Jeff? How is everything Hello, on your end? Yes. I'm doing good. Doing? doing good. We got a lot, lot, of, lot of balls in the air over here at the facility coming off the media day yesterday. All those guys taking all their media shots and doing kind of some camera things. But it's back to football today. I was uh, in, in, walked in here a little bit ago and guys are coming in and out of meetings. Just got out of a walkthrough. So the practice is getting ready to begin. Again, like I said before, there's really not a whole lot of difference between an OTA and a mandatory minicamp other than that. It's a mandatory thing that everybody has to be here. And um, what happens in the minicamps, aside from more of the OTA stuff, is you, you kind of get a little bit more, and there's not a depth chart. They won't put one out, but kind of the ones and twos are probably solidified a little bit more. They'll get some of the more of the reps than the other people. And we even talked about that on previous shows. There's only so much you can read into yep. what's going to happen over these next three days. But to your point, it's mandatory. Not that they haven't had good attendance to begin with with right, respect right. to OTAs, yeah. but you're going to have everybody here, another opportunity for the team to implement the schemes. And also the meetings are just as important, Jeff, no, also during the course of practice. I think that's what gets lost in this conversation. Sometimes 
and you can attest to this, the amount of time that you spend with your positional coach in the room breaking down film or examining what you did on practice because they film everything that they do during the course of practice, that you can argue during this time period may be even more valuable than simply what they're doing running around the field as a team as well as on an individual basis. Well, I think it's a little bit more of an emphasis because this is a new staff and, you know, on offense, defense, special teams for new the guys that are here, the coaches, the players, everything's new. So I think it takes a little bit of more time to understand, uh, you know, the playbooks and get into know it because, you know, after tomorrow – um, well, today's Tuesday, Tuesday, after Thursday, I would say, they're, they're going to leave here. Um, and I don't know what the protocol is anymore. If the guys take their, you know, their iPads home and study and things like that, or they're, they're, they're required to leave them here. I don't know, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of time away from this building. So what they're doing here in this last couple days is very important when they say sayonara. Goodbye. And now I know the rookies and everybody will kind of still be around here for a little bit, but the veterans, they're gone. They're going on their summer vacation. They're taking their kids to Disneyland. They're doing all the stuff that they need to do. And then in the meantime, staying in shape when they come back. So I think, yeah, to your point, it is it's very, very important for what they're doing off the field, more importantly than on the field. Well, and the reason why I'm focusing on the communication aspect, you were talking about the players going on vacation. Yeah. Also, the next month is pretty much the only time for the coaches oh to my get gosh. away from the game, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, these guys are, uh, you know, by the time, this is a year-round deal with exception to maybe this five or six weeks that they get off because the coaches also do the same thing. You know, um, these coaches' families are not all out here yet because it's, they're new. Um, and they're, they're coming from all over the place. So their, their kids, if they're in schools, they're, they're finishing up schools right around probably now and between now and, and maybe next week or something, or maybe some of them are out of school, but they set up these, these vacations in the summer. Um, I remember talking to a couple of the coaches from the last staff. They, every year they go to Disney world or Disneyland, whatever coast you're living on, but, and they, they, you know, they go and they, they put those those times in and their kids know about it like hey dad you know we got to go to this we're going to disney world right like yeah absolutely for the 30th time you know so it's very important for them to get away because they they put a lot of hours in um their families know that once training camp comes around here they don't see them very often so it's a good time for those guys to connect with their family for the last five or six weeks of the off season well, and it's interesting, Jeff, because you were talking about how some of the families will relocate during this period because coaches have an opportunity to actually move their entire family as opposed to maybe doing that during the offseason when they're involved in mm -hmm. the draft and OTAs and so forth. But there's also some coaches that don't relocate their families, right? Their families oh, yeah. stay wherever they live. They come out for the season, and then, you know, they'll go back and forth maybe whenever they can. Like, yeah. I believe, I don't want to speak out of turn, but Thomas McGahee, for example, wasn't he going back and forth to Texas where I think his son was playing high school ball, if I'm yeah. correct, Jeff? Yeah. Houston. So there's an example of some families don't completely relocate. Right. Well, it's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into it. And, you know, sometimes – because the football coach is not with their families a lot during the season. I mean, honestly, guys, when you think about it, they leave at probably about 6.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. They work all day. They don't get home until like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Well, most of the time, if they have younger kids, those kids are in bed. Sure. So they only get a chance to really see them on Friday afternoons because it's a short day in many NFL offices. And then Saturday is, uh, if it's a home game, that's a great opportunity because you're done around one o'clock and then you have the rest of the day until you have to go to the hotel on Saturday night. So that's an opportunity to see your kids. But then Sunday, 
you know, you're 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 either traveling on that Saturday or a Sunday home game. You're at the stadium early and the game is over, whatever, and you got a little bit of time. So what I'm trying to say is that sometimes people don't want to uproot their families and um, that they'll commute a little bit here and there to see their dad. And then he'll when they have a buy, they'll go go home and things like that. So there's a lot of things that people do. And sometimes it's, it's a little bit more important to establish the community where they're at and their kids in school rather than uproot them and bring them somewhere else. Now, you kind of hope that that changes at one point because the team's doing good and the guys are going to stay here long. The last three coaching staff have been here for two years each year. Each, each staff. So that's that's yeah. not good. Um, we're hoping that this one stays put for a while. No, but that's an excellent point. Why would you want to uproot your family for two years and then all of a sudden you got to move them again? At some point, <laughs> even if you're a coach and you understand that's part of the industry, yeah, it's but it's hard on a young kid who, let's say they're in elementary school, middle school, heck, even if they're in high school, how many different schools do you want the kids to go through right. over the course of their developmental yeah. phase? Yeah, and you know, they and, and they're, they're kids, you know, and they have yeah. friends and they're human too. Like they're, you know, they connect with some of their buddies and the next thing you know, they're, they're leaving. And it's, it's very sad. Um, as you guys all know, I do the real estate thing. And a lot of times I'm working with these coaches on homes and stuff. And you know, this last staff, when they were leaving here, it's just, uh, it was just, it was very upsetting because they, they make friends and they have to leave them. And so it's a very tough, tough profession to be into, uh, paid well, as we know, but money isn't everything, you know, so it is, it yep. is difficult for these families to, to be in the National Football League and even with players, too. I mean, sometimes moving around team to team is a tough go, too. 100%. I think that's not talked about enough, especially yeah. on the coaching front, the movement that occurs and how we're looking at these individuals as one person on a coaching staff, but there's right. so many other people that are impacted by these moves because they have families and they have children. And I don't think that gets discussed enough, but that's, once again, part of the business, essentially, of the National Football League. Well, that's maybe the ins and outs structurally of what's going to happen, at least with respect to the schedule. Let's delve into the roster here, Jeff, because I think sure. there's a good opportunity. Start a mandatory minicamp. Like we said, there's only so much you could read into things, but... Starting from now all the way through the end of training camp, all of these players are going to be put through the magnifying glass. The depth chart is going to be structured, and it's fair to say there's going to be some positional battles and also some key players that I think have an opportunity to capitalize. So I thought today would be a great opportunity, and we'll open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. If you have certain players that you're eyeing or certain position battles that you think could very well make or break this roster. We certainly want to hear from you. You could also use hashtag Giants chat. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Wide receiver is an interesting position to me, Jeff, because we talk so much about the top three guys. But how many do they keep, number one, is I think the big question. Are they going to go six? Do they have the luxury to maybe keep seven if they're enamored by somebody that maybe could be a dual threat? For example, Wondell Robinson, do they look at him based on how he was utilized in Kentucky? Is he going to be a pseudo running back slash wide receiver? So meaning, does he take up a spot for each position? Do they look at him as just a wide receiver? What about a guy like a Richie James or a Robert Foster? Do they keep them on the roster because of what they could do on special teams? Or do they think that they're going to carve out more of a significant role as a receiver? That's why, to me, that position group is interesting. And the third layer, 
to make things even more convoluted and complicated for you to digest <laughs> is the injury bug. The oh, fact yeah. that a number of guys atop the depth chart who were anticipating haven't necessarily proven that they could remain durable. So does that give you more of a reason why you want to keep additional players at this position? Well, I think additional, 100% you're going to want to keep additional players at this position because I feel like the, the wide receiver room gets attacked a lot. The guys go on and off practice squad up to active roster, back from active roster, back to practice squad because of injuries, right? And so um, we've always talked about this position as a, a position that these guys, all they do is run. That's their whole life. They're like thoroughbreds. They run, 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 run. So the propensity for them to get hurt is kind of high. So I think that's why you have to have a certain amount of numbers. The back end of your roster guys are usually these wide receivers. And I think it's important that if you're light in another position, they're going to probably sacrifice a position that you have a lot of depth on the practice squad so that you can bring guys up. So it's all about the injury bug to me. And a lot of times it takes precedence over guys with, with skills and stuff. You can't keep everybody. So you got to be able to hide some of them on the practice squad. And, and obviously there's guys on this roster right now that have no chance of making the team. They're here because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're not good enough to make the roster yet. They're just in their in infant stage of their career. Now there might be one or two guys that come out of nowhere at the wide receiver position, but man, there's a, it's a thick room. I'm looking at these names here and there's not a lot of, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of room for people to make this roster. That's what I'm saying. Well, and that's why the practice squad is beneficial, because if you really like a guy who hasn't had a lot of film, there's a good chance he'll pass through waivers and he'll go on to the practice squad. But I think what's interesting about this roster, as you were alluding to, you have some veterans who are competing for roster spots, meaning proven guys like C.J. Board, for example, Jeff. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. He's been on this roster. He's also been in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So he's somebody that if you get rid of him, there's a chance that another team wants to add him because they don't necessarily have answers. Colin Johnson mm -hmm. is another guy, mm -hmm. a veteran. He's yep. been in the NFL for a few years. Robert Foster and Richie James, yep. they all fall in that category. Then you have other guys who have been here but don't have nearly as much film. An Alex Bachman, yep. a David Sills. Yep. I'll even throw an Austin Prohl, a Ricky Prohl's son, the yeah. former NFL wide receiver, mm -hmm. who is a player that, once again, is a young up-and-comer, but there's a little bit of an unknown connected to him. So I would say there's layers to the receiving core. You just need to ask yourself, when you're the Giants coaching staff and you have to finalize the 53, I think a big part of it is who's more likely to pass through waivers. And that's how you make your decision to determine who do we not want to risk losing versus who we like, but we feel pretty good he'll resort back to the roster. Yeah, it's a tough decision. I mean, I, you know, every year we go, this is one where we do our kind of final 53. I don't think any of us ever get it completely right because I think that there's always the, you know, waived injured, uh, put on IR, and uh, waived regular and then brought back to the practice squad. So it's like there's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of it. But I'm looking here at, you know, you got Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Rondell right, Robinson. OK, so that's five. That's pretty much if I told you that those five guys would make the team, I think you would probably agree with me. Absolutely. Um, the only thing that I would say with a little bit like with Darius Slayton, I think he's in one of these situations now in his career that he has something to prove. And so he's going to have to play, in my opinion, better than some of these other guys like a Robert Foster, a C.J. Board, a David Stills, the guys kind of you, you had mentioned. Because the fact is, is that, and, and this is where it comes again. I know it's redundant, but Darius Slayton has played special teams before. But is he a better special teams player than a Robert Foster, a David Stills, a Colin Johnson, or any of those guys? 
that's that's where this is going to come down to. So by the way, that was five people. And so let's just say the wide receiver room is going to be seven. I think that's usually a number that we're comfortable with. But seven's on the high side. That's what I was going to say. Compared to recent years, Jeff, that's yeah. pretty high. Seven. So between five and seven, right? So I yeah. mean, five is five's a given. I think you got to have five. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. then seven is a little bit, you know, it's kind of high. Eight is out of the question. There's no way you're going to do it. So I let's, don't think you have let's the just take the five that. and let's go high on the seven. You got two guys. Two guys for about, there's about eight or nine other guys that are going to make two spots on the active roster if we, if we go to seven. But I don't remember how many guys you can keep on that practice squad nowadays. But, you know, well, 16 is the number this year. Yeah, 16. So, I mean, you gotta, you got to have, you know, you got to have a taxi squad guy. So you're going to have to have, you know, maybe three, three more of those receivers. So, yeah, it's just a matter. I'm telling you, I know that we, we beat this to, the, to death. But back end specials. That's what you have to look at. I don't care if these guys catch every single ball in that's thrown to them. Um, if they're not playing better than the guys that we just mentioned, they're going to have to do something to make this team, and that's be a standout on special teams, a gunner, a guy that can make tackles, you know, or a returner possibly. You know, C.J. Board has, has some returning experience, things like that. So that makes a difference. And that's why, to me, Robert Foster and Richie James have an advantage where, where because they came those from. two guys are special teamers. Yeah. And Foster came from Buffalo, right. where he was utilized as yeah. a special teamer. So Joe Shane and Brian Dable both know what they're capable of doing. I don't have Foster. I don't have the and I can I guess I could look it up here, but Robert Foster doesn't seem to be a guy, in my opinion, that has uh, a whole lot of experience at the wide receiver position, right? I mean well, we were going over, if you remember, Jeff, we had conversations. Yeah. I brought up that if you're looking for that deep threat, yeah. average yardage per catch, he's the guy that fits that bill. Mm-hmm. Because in his career, we're talking about a guy that's over 20 yards per catch. But yeah, right. he doesn't have a high volume, volume. to your point. Yeah, that's we're talking about a guy, for example, last season in Washington. Well, two years ago, actually. In 2020 with Washington, he played four games. He had six targets. 2019 in Buffalo, he played 13 games, so much higher, but he only had 18 targets. And his best season was 2018 when he played 13 games. He had 44 targets. So it's great yardage per catch, but it's a very small sample size. Special teams. <laughs> Special teams. He's, uh, he's actually been on six teams and basically entered the, the NFL in 2000, was it 18? 18, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's- and on special teams, by the way, not only are we talking about somebody that has return potential, but Gunner, sure. that's how he was utilized. Yeah, wide receiver. So, yeah. you know, he can get, get his butt down the field and make some tackles. So, again, that's where it, where it comes important, and these guys all know it. I bet if you went up to Robert Froster right now and told him, he said, listen, how do you think you're going to make this team? He's going to say, I'm going to make it because I can play special teams. <laughs> Without a doubt. That's what he's going to say. Because, you know, he's, gonna, he's not going to tell you that he's going to start over, uh, you know, Kenny Galladay. It's not going to happen. Um, Kadarius well, think Tony. about all the guys that were ahead of him in Buffalo, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Stephon no Diggs, Cole Beasley. Yeah. <laughs> so no he's, and he's a big receiver. That. He's six one, six yeah. one and a half. Um, height. It says. Uh, wait a second. It says height six zero one five, and then six foot two. Oh, I guess that's, that's the the combine is six zero one five, but then they have him as six foot zero two on here. So what is that? Well, let me see where he has listed based on. Does he have two heights? Like maybe in the morning and well, the afternoon? Well, remember, <laughs> as you well know, heights and weights fluctuate <laughs> depending on the time of the day or the day of the week. I have him oh, estimated 6'2". 6'2", six six two. Two. Okay. is what we could go with. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go with that then. That's fine. 
bottom line, he does have some. He has some uh, some height. He's got some speed, and that's a that's a classic gunner, you know, in my mind, right there. If you're six two and you can run pretty quickly and you can get down the field and make tackles, then you're going to be on the team making making some special teams plays for me. The other position I want to get to before we open up the phone lines, and it's a position that probably has the best opportunity of all spots, is tight end. Since this complete position group is revamped, you've got all new players. Nobody was on the team last year, at least if you look at it from the top three perspective. Ricky Seals-Jones is new. Mm -hmm. Jordan Aikens is new. Mm -hmm. Both of those guys, veterans. And then Daniel Bellinger, they drafted in the fourth round. Yeah. You got Chris Myrick. Is he still around, or did they, they release him? I think is he still here? I believe Myrick is yeah, still here. Okay, Remember, I, he that, left to go to the Cincinnati Bengals okay. towards the tail end of last season, and then they has returned. Back. All right, yeah, and I have Austin Allen and Andre Miller, which Andre yep. Miller is our guy from up north. So we, we had, they have him. as Well, a and tight he's end. a converted right. player, by the way. Yeah. He was a wide receiver in college. They're moving him to tight end. Yeah. So he has not been exposed to that position at all. Right. Right. So there. But but to your point, um, you know, as far as there's nobody. Yeah, this is a wide open deal. I mean, I obviously I think that Ricky Seal um, Jones is going to be your guy, and then I think I think they have I have it in the depth chart here, and, and my depth chart by the way is from our lads. Um, that's who I get my stuff from. I think they update it pretty good, and they have uh, Jordan Akins as as the, as the second team guy, and then Daniel Bellinger as the third one. So there's your three tight ends. I think that there will be three that make the team. Obviously, I don't know if there'll be a fourth one. If they're going to rotate tight ends as we've talked about on this program then I think you could get away with three and then if anything you could put another one on the practice squad meaning if you're going to play multiple guys and they each have different roles three to me is enough plus maybe a fullback makes the roster maybe Jeremiah Hall an undrafted he's the only one on it okay correct but maybe he makes it that's more of a reason why I wouldn't keep four tight ends Jeff no, I obviously if there if there is a tight end, excuse me, a fullback on this roster, I believe that that we throw them into and I throw them into sort of that a combo. Number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't keep a tie, a fullback, then they would probably keep a fourth tight end. Or they don't do that and they keep an extra wide receiver. Yeah, they prioritize another spot. And knowing that we can all the the fourth tight end on our roster is basically our seventh or eighth tight end, or excuse me, lineman. They can come in and play some situational stuff that way. That, that's the way I look at that it. That makes sense. So, you know, you only have so many swings here, 53 of them, right? You only got so many guys you can protect on the, on the rosters here, and you got to have guys that play multiple positions, and the tight end and the, and the flex lineman, if you want to call them that, is someone that those guys are interchangeable. Now, even, you know, the, uh, the tight ends are basically, you know, they're, they're kind of like offensive linemen, right? They're blocking a lot of the time, so... Um, that's why you can see that reserve offensive lineman move into that tight end position sometimes in a blocking, in a big jumbo situation. Well, and that's why we call for versatility at that position because, as you mentioned, you may need them as an additional offensive lineman right. depending on how things play out in a game or maybe the offensive line is struggling and you're like, hey, you know, we need to utilize the tight end as an additional means. Exactly. And, and by the way, you know, even if they don't, those tight ends can always go into the backfield um, on short lot, short yardage, goal line stuff, sometimes you see that reserve offensive lineman play that H-back position, and they put him behind in front of the running back to create some <laughs> a big hole in there. So I think it's all interchangeable. It'll be interesting to see how they use those guys in this, in this, in this system. Um, I guess the best way to look at it is go back and look at the Bills and maybe a little bit of the Chiefs, see where their fullback played into, or even if they had one. I don't know. 
Well, they had a fullback, Kansas City, but, you know, once again, they also utilize sometimes the fullback as a pseudo-wide receiver hmm. who can catch the ball out in the backfield because Kansas City, obviously, is very creative. They move personnel around, very similar to San Francisco in terms of Kyle Juszczyk, who I utilize as an example more often than not. But as far as roles, Ricky Seals-Jones, he is known as a receiver based on what he's done throughout his NFL career, and he was a wide receiver in college. So that's more of a reason why you pretty much know what you're going to get out of him. Bellinger was a big-time blocker at San Diego State based on the scheme. But he has, I think, a ceiling to improve even more so as a receiver. And Jordan Akins was part of a rotational group of tight ends with the Houston Texans. But remember, Andy Bischoff, he was with, who's the tight ends coach. So there's the oh, connection and okay. the tie in there. Got it. There it is. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's not... Uh... What you know, it's who you know sometimes. <laughs> well, relationships, it's a big part yeah. of the NFL, oh my right? God. I mean, you know that better than anybody, yeah. And Jeff. we talked about it on the defense. Uh, you know, Wink has gone out there and got a guy at every level that he uh, has experience with. So that's, that's kind of where you, you see this relationships. You understand you like your players. And Wink went to the organization and said, hey, I'd like to see these guys. Can we get them? They're on the street. Yeah, let's bring them in, you know? So it's important. I think, you know, switching, switching uh, gears here to the defensive side, Lance, um, so one, a very intriguing position, for me at least, is that other t uh, linebacker position uh, where Tay Crowder and I have, they have Micah McFadden, Cam Brown, and Justin Hilliard. They have those guys. Those, you know, the other ones I can see, you got Carter Coughlin and Blake Martinez and then Darian Beavers, who they drafted in the sixth round this year. T.J. Brunson is the other guy. I, you know, the, the one, one position I'm – like, you know, Blake Martinez, if he's healthy, he's going to be your guy. Um, you know, can Tay Crowder be the guy still? Like, you know, last year you saw a little bit of an improvement out of him, but can he hold down that starting position for Micah McFadden? Who knows? It's very interesting, that, that position to me. Well, there's a lot of young guys in that position mm -hmm. group. Not a lot of proven talent where you say, okay, hey, he's been there, he's done that. All those guys that you mentioned, think about it, Jeff. They all were drafted between yeah. 2020 and this right. year. So right. there you go. Yeah, That's and they were, they were drafted into a different system, you know? So I think well, that's that another factor, yeah. Pat Graham liked these guys in his system. So this system is nowhere near what, uh, you know, Pat Graham was running. So, and again, we've always said this. I don't think it, I think it's a weeding out process with, with systems and schemes and coaches. New eyes, new guys. You're going to have, you know, you can't just replace everybody when you come in. So you're going to have to kind of have an evaluation process. And I think that's what this year is all about, by the way. I think it's building the roster for the future. And the guys that are holdovers from the last staff, they got to be able to convince the new coaches that they can fit the system and still play. There's going to be plenty of those guys. It's not everybody's just going to be leaving over time. But I think there's plenty of guys that can convince the, the offense and the defensive coaches that they belong here. That's their sole purpose is to play in this league and make as much money as you can for as long as you can. And that's by being a good player. Bottom line. <laughs> well, that's also one of the reasons why I think a few of these young guys, it's important for them to distinguish themselves this year so that they can prove to the new coaching staff that they weren't carving out a role. So Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, Ellerson Smith, I'll throw in there too. Mm -hmm. Beavers and McFadden were drafted by this unit, so I'm sure. not going to include those. Right. And Crowder, I think. I think those four that I just named out of that position that we're talking about, the interior linebacker spots, and some guys that also obviously have flexibility to go to the outside, they need to show the new coaching staff 
that they belong in the mix moving forward. Because, once again, there is no allegiance between the coaching staff and any of these players. They were not responsible for bringing in any of those names that I just mentioned. So not only do you want to see them develop and take a jump, but you also want to see them, I think, stand out a little bit. Because what's going to prevent the new coaching staff and Joe Shane next year for saying, hey, you know what, we think we need to add a few more linebackers. There's nothing going to stop them or prevent them from thinking that way, Jeff. <laughs> Especially since, once again, they didn't bring any of those guys into this organization. Yep, and I, I think that you know the more these guys uh, get their eyes on them, and and by the way, the OTAs and now the mini camp and um, training camp, that's gonna that's their whole purpose is trying to evaluate these guys as who sticks around. You know, before you know it, man, we're gonna be in that third preseason game and talking about a lot of there's gonna, there's a lot of different players that, that aren't even here yet. They're still gonna, you know, what I'm saying there's guys that are guys gonna hurt. be cut, yeah, yeah. cut, and um, there's other guys that be brought in, and then of course, you know, at the final cut, there's always that day where teams release their players that they don't want to and then you know you get in that pecking order the giants will again be able to take advantage of the waiver wire and the positioning as they have always done the last few years you know well, going, because it goes to the order of the draft yeah. until the first few weeks of the season <laughs> exactly yeah. so uh unfortunately you don't you know that's a good thing but in in the long term it's a bad thing you don't want to be picking or be in that spot in the waiver wire you know trickle down effect you want to be able to, i want to be at the very bottom of that one Every single year, I want to be at the bottom. That means I'm winning something. Well, and I think it also depends on you comparing a younger guy, let's say, who's cut to what you already have on the roster. For example, I don't know if they're going to go out of their way to cut young guys for a veteran who may be here for a year. I don't know if that's practical. If a team lets go of a recent draft pick or somebody that was selected in the last year or two, yeah. and you remember him from the scouting mm -hmm. process, mm -hmm. that I can understand justifying making a waiver move. Yeah. But if you're going to cut a young guy that still may have some potential for somebody that's been in the league for six or seven years, I don't know if that's necessarily a good move for this team. Not at this juncture. I mean, you, you see that more with a veteran team that's already established and has been winning and that they have to fill a position because they don't, they don't really, you know, they haven't developed anybody behind them. And then you go out and get a veteran like that. But I think from a young team perspective like this one, it doesn't make sense to me either. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather? When all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. We will open up the phone lines here in a second. First, just a few reminders. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 has a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash suites 
for more information. All right, let's open up the conversation. You could also use hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Cliff is in New York. He gets us going on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Cliff? Hello, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Um, yeah, on the roster, um, uh, I'm wondering if we have any clues yet as to which of the holdover guys uh, seem to be uh, uh, better positioned to go forward with the new regime. Uh, um, uh, just from what we've learned so far about the coaches and what they're doing, uh, I, I think one guy that seems like he's doing pretty good is Shane Lemieux. Um, I'm, I, I'm just, just don't ask me why I think that. I mean, I just feel that. And uh, a guy like um, uh, the receiver uh, Darius Slayton, um, you know, he's a mystery to me. Uh, uh, is he somebody that could benefit uh, for, from the new system? I, I think he was kind of a little bit banged up the last couple of years after looking he was. really good the first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think uh, when Martindale was hired and Bob Papa interviewed him, he, he um he said, we got some good players here. You'll be surprised. And I was thinking, oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think we got a lot of good guys, you know. I, I mean, I, but I wonder which ones he meant, you know. And I, if he has an attacking defense, that, that would obviously mean Aziz Ojolari, I guess. But um, do, do you think we have any clue about who, we, who, they, who they like? And also, I was thinking before you introduced the roster as a topic, I was wondering, you know, what Coach Dable was looking for when he, when he hired Martindale. Um, you know, he knows what kind of defense it is. He knows what kind of offense he's going to try to have. And I wonder if he, if, if we have any clue as to how that's supposed to be complimentary. But, you know, I want to stick with the roster topic, too. Well, to answer your second question first, I think part of the reason why he brought in Martindale and even mentioned this was Buffalo played Baltimore a few times. And even Dable went up against Martindale in previous stints with teams and said that usually that was a defense that gave him a hard time. That's more often than not why sometimes coaches bring in coordinators they haven't worked with before because they know, hey, if they gave me a hard time, then they're probably going to give the rest of the league a hard time. If you remember, Pat Shermer brought in James Betcher for the same exact rationale. When Shermer's offenses would go up against Betcher, he'd have trouble, so he was intrigued by him, and that's why he hired him. So I think that was a big part of it, and I think it's well-documented based on what Martindale did in Baltimore – he runs an aggressive style defense. He's going to bring it to you as opposed to sit back and allow you to dictate the tone. And I'm sure that was appealing to Brian Dable as well. Okay. Well, so, so who, who sticks around with that approach? Well, Uh, I I don't, I guess I'm a little confused. What do you mean? Who sticks? But what do you mean by like, for example, there's a lot of young guys on this roster. You have to understand cliff. So when you're asking about carryovers, there are some guys that are carrying over. Jeff and I just went through the linebackers. All those names, do they have a lot of film? Even if you're Brian Dable and the new coaching staff. So, I mean, you're really getting to learn a lot of these guys from scratch. There's not, when we say holdovers, a lot of the holdovers are young. It's not a lot of proven talent. It's almost like a bunch of rookies Mm -hmm. that you're bringing back, essentially. It's an extended 2022 class to a certain degree. Well, any of those linebackers... uh... Uh, less less equipped for the attacking defense than they were for Patrick Graham? Well, Carter Coughlin, for example, if mm-hmm. you go back to what he did at Minnesota, Jeff, he was a big sack guy, how yeah. they utilized him. He had, of, yeah. I think what he had, like 22 career sacks. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't see a lot of that. We saw a flash here or there, but part of that was him not getting on the field. So to answer your question, Cliff, Coughlin is somebody that I think he could tap into depending on where they line him up and how they utilize it, because we know, based on what he did in college, he has the ability to get after the quarterback. 
Yep, and I think that yeah. he will put him in a position to succeed. And because he has a little experience rushing the passer in college, I mean, I think that Wink is going to, you know, again, I've said this before. This is the new coaching staff getting to know the players that are here. Wink said, we got some good players here. It's just a matter of finding out who they are. I think Cotter Coughlin might be one of those guys where he says, okay, I, I like this guy. I like what I saw, but I like him more if I put him in my system at this and, and see how it goes. And that's what these OTAs and the mini camp, and once you get into training camp a little bit more, start experimenting with where these guys can line up, how they can play. You might be surprised by putting a player in a position that he's never played that all of a sudden he excels at that. And that's kind of a, you know, that's a good thing. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, okay, you were really good at this, but we put you at this and now you're even better. That improves our roster. Now we got a guy that can play a couple different positions. Carter Coffin's one of those guys. And special teams, a great special teams player. Because he has length. Mm-hmm. That's what's appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how about Dexter Lawrence? Well, well I, I yeah, think that, ahead, yeah, no, I think that Dexter is going to be put in a position that he's going to be rushing the passer a little bit more. I mean, obviously he does, but I, I think that, you know, you, you wouldn't see Dexter in third downs a lot. Um, I think that maybe you'll see a rotation with him, maybe moving him a little bit more uh, inside and outside, kind of back and forth. But I, I think that, you know, you got to have two guys down there that can take care of the run. Dexter's beefed up a little bit. I think that that was his prerogative, and I think that, you know, your guys in up front's got to got to be able to take up some space and be able to hand, manhandle some of those guys. So um, we'll see what happens there. I, I've been I've always liked him. I, I was always looking for him to do a little bit better. There's there's a, uh, one play that really sticks out that I saw him make, and and I I, I think it was against our nemesis uh, uh, Boston Scott. Um, the, like you see a lot of plays, you know, we, we talk about yards after contact. Or yards after catch, but also yards after contact, and we, you know, we'd see running backs get hit and carry our guys for a couple of three yards, and Dexter hits somebody, and they go down like a sack of potatoes immediately. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like a body check in hockey. You know, bang. You know, and that just—he doesn't even have to use his arms. You know, there's no arm tackling. He he just bumps into them and they go down, straight down. You know, and uh, I just hope we can see more of him playing. Well, they're going to need to because the loss of Dalvin Tomlinson, and appreciate the phone call, Cliff, took a toll on this team mm-hmm. in terms of the ability to stop the run on the first layer. And then, of course, you lose Blake Martinez. You miss the guy on the second layer. That's obviously going to come back to bite you. If memory serves me correct, actually, I think, Jeff, the play that the last caller was alluding to, I think Dexter forced the fumble on Boston Scott in that Eagles-Giants game at MetLife Stadium last year, if memory serves mm-hmm. me correctly. Mm-hmm. Remember when the Eagles were driving yeah. and then yep. all of a sudden they gave it to Scott and he lost the ball? I think Lawrence, I'm pretty sure, was one of the key players on that tackle that led to that. And if they could see more of that, uh, that would go yeah, a long way to not only helping the run game in terms of stopping the run, but also maybe opening up opportunities for some of the edge rushers. Well, you know, too, we talked about familiarity. Well, Justin Ellis is another guy that they brought over from Baltimore and the yep. system their Wink was in. So I think that makes it that's important. He's a big nose tackle, six foot two, three hundred and thirty five pounds. So he's a guy that's a run stopper, two gapper, he's gonna sit in there all day and just take up space. And again, I think that that uh, Dexter Lawrence has a little bit more agility and, and kind of a little bit more maybe uh, I don't know, athleticism that he can rush the passer a little bit better. So with those two guys in there, um, they've got a good chance of doing whatever they want to do inside. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move along here. Jason is in New Haven joining us. What's happening, Jason? Hey, fellas. How you guys doing? Good, thank you. All right. What do you got for us? Good. good. I just wanted to uh, – just uh, a few points, and then you know, I'll take it off the air so you get other callers. 
Um, I think a player that isn't really being mentioned, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys know about him. Of course, you guys have been around the team. But I really think that Dory Jackson is really one of the underrated corners in the league. Um, according to PFS, and I know PFF isn't the end-all be-all, and I get it, but I believe he earned like a top-five coverage grade last year um, uh, during his uh, first season with the Giants. So I actually did like that pickup last year when we picked him up. I think he fits Wink's um, system to a T. He is that sticky corner. He has great speed. He always did since his USC days. I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm not really going to be surprised because I liked him in Tennessee. Um, I know, you know, his um, ending at Tennessee didn't really go well, I guess, for whatever reason. Um, but I think he's gonna, I think he's really going to step up and uh, be that number one corner. Um, I don't know if you want to respond to that. Wait till I get off the call. But um, oh, why don't you um, make your other point and then we'll respond yeah. to all of it. Okay. Um, secondly, I think that linebacker, that linebacker, edge rusher group of them mix them all, I think is going to be a fierce competition. I do think we have a lot of good talent. Um, me personally, I think Tay Crowder is going to hold that, that starting um, role next to um, Blake. Um, I know he isn't Ray Lewis, and I'm not going to say he is, or, or Bobby Wagner, any of those guys, but I remember him making some big plays his last two years um, that he's been with the Giants. Um, I remember he had a big sack against Russell Wilson two years ago. He had a pretty good interception last year. I forgot who we played. I think it was Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he is that athletic linebacker that you can move around, coverage and blitz. And then the last play I want to talk about, for some reason he's being grouped with the edge rusher group, and I, I'm not really sure why, just based on his body type is Jihad Ward. He's another pickup I um, liked. Um, I actually think he's going to be in that deep, that down lineman group as far as like Dexter Lawrence and Landon Williams. He is 200 and I think he's like 290 pounds. So he's not a prototypical three, four edge unless we're playing a heavy run down a uh, run team. Um, but I actually like that pickup along with Ellis and um, I'm hoping to see, you know, certain um, pass rush um, groupings that he's on the field with Leonard and Thibodeau and, and Aziz. So, those are the three players I wanted to bring up, and um, you know I'll listen to your answers off the air. Thank you. Hi, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. Well, first of all, as far as Adoree Jackson is concerned, his last year in Tennessee, he was hurt. Mm-hmm. So he was barely on the field. I mean, that was really the reason why there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare coming out of Tennessee because he had durability concerns. And last season, he was able to, for the most part, stay on the field. He played 13 of the 17 games. The previous year, he only played three games. That was 2020 in Tennessee. So I think that was a big reason why Tennessee maybe decided to go in a different direction because they just didn't know whether or not he could actually stay healthy. Yeah, and listen, he's a guy that obviously he's got a lot of talent, but it's just a matter of staying on the field. And and he did did it last year. I mean, what did you say, 13 games, Lance? Yep. Um, You know, so you got a little bit. And again, those guys are runners too. So it's very hard for those cornerbacks to stay on the field for all 17 games, but it can happen. But I think Odori Jackson is by far, you know, he's your veteran guy. So he's your number one corner. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I mean, he's the guy on the yeah. island. All the rest of them are up-and-coming youngsters, you know, and they're learning how to play. And the Giants got a lot of confidence in those guys um, from what they drafted last year and what they drafted this year. Now, as far as Jihad Ward, who was the other defensive player that he brought up, mm-hmm. Ward wasn't a big sack guy throughout the course of his career. 
If you look at his numbers, he only has 10 sacks, and he's been in the league since 2016. I think he's going to be a nice rotational complementary sure. piece, but I'm not expecting him to come in and be the sack leader. I think that would be an unbelievably pleasant surprise, and that would probably mean that he'd have a career year. But here's the positive. He's been with Martindale. He knows the Baltimore system, and I think that in some versatile situations where maybe you do want to bring him down on the line at times. He has the capacity to do that. And when you want to play him a little bit away from the line to maybe give him a little extra steam, I think they could utilize him in that regard too. I think he's going to be more of like the jack-of-all-trades type mm-hmm. of guy within the pass-rushing situation. He's also a big dude. He's six foot five and almost 300 pounds. So he's yep. not your typical edge rusher kind of guy, you know? So, um, like, you know, you look at Aziz and you look at Thibodeau. They're, they're, I mean, if they're pushing 175... I doubt it. They're you know they're they're kind of big, tall, skinny, if you will, but just very fast edge rushers. He's a big dude, and so yeah. But I think he'll be the jack of all trades. He can put his hand in the dirt. Um, he can play outside linebacker when they need him, and uh, a guy that's just has been in the league a while and has familiarity with with Wink Martindale's system. And then as far as the other position that was brought up with respect to the roster, as far as key players. Tay Crowder, and we talked about this earlier mm-hmm. when we got into the linebacking group. Crowder has made some opportunistic plays with the Giants. I oh, think yeah. that was the main yeah. point. You know, either he picked up a fumble or got an interception. So we know the athleticism is there. I don't think anybody's doubting that. It's more of a matter of now it's a new scheme. It's another new coach. How do they look at him compared to what the previous regime did? And remember, he got a lot of an opportunity last year because Blake was hurt. Mm -hmm. So now Blake's going to be back. And here's the other thing. Do they look at Micah McFadden as a guy that's going to take on a larger role? Because he's somebody we didn't mention because he's not a carryover. He's part of the draft class. But going back to, I think, one of the earlier questions we got on the show, McFadden, similar to Carter Coughlin in college, he got after the quarterback because of how Indiana utilized him. And if you missed one of the recent Giants Huddle podcasts, I spoke to his college coach, Tom Allen, and we get into this, why he was so effective in getting after the quarterback and this and that. You can check that out on the Giants Huddle podcast feed, Giants.com, the mobile app, or your favorite podcast platforms. And maybe Martindale, and a big reason why they drafted him, was he loved how Indiana utilized him, and maybe they give him a bigger opportunity next to Blake Martinez. That I wouldn't be surprised at at all. <laughs> no, because like I said before, these are new; these are their guys now. Michael yeah. McFadden was drafted by this organization. Uh, they feel strongly about that person. And again, like what I was mentioning to you before, is that the new coaching staff and the, and the new GM, they've got to get to know these guys like Cam Brown. They got to saw they saw a lot of Tay, Tay Crowder. They got to saw a lot of these guys. Justin Hilliard's another one. These are guys that they have seen on tape, but they haven't really seen them in person. So they're going to give Micah McFadden every opportunity, being a draft pick, a fifth rounder, which is not you know not a seventh rounder, not a first rounder, a guy that's going to get a chance to play some special teams and possibly make some starts at the at the linebacker in position if there's injuries. I see that happening. I really do. One other thought before we move on to another topic as we're examining some of these players that were brought up, and I'm curious your thoughts, Jeff. The one guy that keeps coming into my mind as maybe a comparison to Jihad Ward, not the body type. I'm talking about more of the role he could play within the Giants is Kyler Fackrell two oh, years sure. ago, yeah. right? Fackrell yeah. actually was that nice complimentary piece. He gave you some flash plays. I look at Ward as the Kyler Fackrell okay. for this year's roster. Yeah, sure. If you were to ask me a recent comparison. Yeah, for some reason, that guy just kept popping in my head. Yeah, veteran guy. Can play, you know, a little, little bit of everywhere, but is, can make some 
can make some hay, can make some good plays. And, and he was with Patrick Graham. Remember, he had history. So that's another yeah. thing. You have Ward having history with Martindale. There's a lot of, I don't know, similarities sure. that I think come sure. to mind with respect yep. to that. Man, you know, you saw Frock. He, he went to, he had a good year last year. I he mean, did with the Chargers. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, it just goes to show you that just one time you might not be that great in a scheme and then you leave and you could just be, you could become a, a, a better player somewhere else. It's just in there. You never know. Just about just depends on how you evolve into these systems. It really is. Sure. I mean, you go back to Fackrell. I'm bringing up his numbers from two years ago. I'm referring to 2020. He had a pick six against the Cowboys that he ran back. Mm-hmm. He had four sacks. He had 10 quarterback hits, seven tackles for loss. And Ward is in that three to four sack range anyway. So, I mean, those numbers fall right in line with what I think Jihad Ward could do. So Fackrell was... You need those glue guys, Jeff, right? You need those reliable vets who you can turn to in the event somebody gets hurt and maybe they need to take on a bigger role or they get X amount of snaps and you know they're going to be fundamentally sound, be in the right position. I like that comparison. If you were to ask me maybe what his ceiling could be in the 2022 campaign. Yep, I'm right there with you, Lance. Let's head back to the phone lines. UC is in St. James. UC, welcome to the program. What do you got? Hey, Lance and Jeff. Hello. How are we doing? Good, good. I just had two quick questions about the offensive line. Uh, so, obviously, we have our tackles in place now with Andrew on the left and Evan on the right. But we know that uh, AT has gone through a few injuries throughout his career. So, let's just say that, you know, Andrew starts the season off healthy. But a few weeks into the season, he might suffer something minor and he needs a few weeks off. So, my first question, do you think it would be a better idea to move Evan to the left side, even after he's been starting to get comfortable on the right side? Or would it be a better idea to try using Azudu on the left tackle, which he's been practicing thus far during OTAs? This is one of those hypotheticals <laughs> in the event somebody gets hurt. This is like the biggest Don't fear. Don't like to no, talk about fair. these. Yeah, yeah and listen, yeah. Andrew Thomas has missed some time, so I understand where the question is coming from. If you were to ask me, you see, I'm not a fan of if Evan Neal is going to be an established right tackle for you and you're getting him comfortable and he's transitioning to the NFL and I get it, he has experience on the left, I would be hesitant to move him, especially if he's getting in the groove of playing next to Mark Lewinsky early in the season, you're building chemistry. I don't know how much I would love, but Jeff, this is what I will say. If you evaluate the roster, and you talk to most offensive line coaches, they will tell you this. The goal at the end of the day is to get the five best offensive linemen on the field, especially when you suffer an injury. So if while I would be hesitant, once again, to move him, if you don't think there is any other person, person that could <laughs> fill in at left tackle that can play up to par, then I think by default you move Evan Neal, and then maybe you put in like Matt Gono at right tackle, who's the veteran you brought in from Atlanta. That, I think, may be the best direction if you're not comfortable with putting somebody else on the left side. Yeah, or you could, you know, I don't know where Matt Pert is in this, in this you know. Well, thing, of course, he's, yeah. He's hurt. Uh, he's coming back from injury, but he's a guy that, you know, obviously plays some left tackle. And sure. so, I mean, that, that's an option if he's healthy. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like try to get the best five guys. If your best five guys means moving your right tackle to left tackle because there's an injury and you slip – the, the new guy in there, then that's then there you go. But I, I don't like to rock the boat because depending on how long in this scenario your left tackle is out of the lineup, 
I still don't want. I, I think the more you have your right tackle, who's your future, playing left tackle for an extended period of time, I want him to be in that same position that I want him to play for a long time. I may not move him over there. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, you got to get to know your left guard and your right guard if you're those guys. And so if you're that right tackle, you know, and you got the right guard there, you guys are working in unison together for a while. You kind of don't want to rock the uh, the boat a little bit. So I may find another person to put out there, but if I can't. To your point, Lance, I would move him. Well, and that's why I started out, Jeff, exactly where you went. Sure. I am weighing Evan Neal chemistry. Not only is he have to now move to a new position, but to your point, he's got to learn to play next to a new guy. And let's say it's Shane Lemieux, who perhaps could win the left guard position. So there's now two things you're throwing onto his plate when maybe he's been playing very well on the right side. And if you want to go based on last season, Jeff, and I understand it's a new coaching staff, mm-hmm. but if you just look at that as a sample size, they didn't take Nate Solder and move him around. They had Matt Paert come in, right? Right when yep. Andrew Thomas got banged up. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it goes along, but yeah. Hopefully that scenario doesn't have to be uh, <laughs> have put into effect. No, but you always need right. to at least think about it. It's yeah. a fair question, you see, because I'm sure. Listen, the coaching staff. They may not obviously want to go down that road. I don't think anybody hopes for it. But you always have to have that game plan in place. Hey, in the event one of our starters goes down, what's the best fit? to replace that player. They at least have discussed it in passing. You always need to because that's how you make roster decisions. You may keep an extra tackle because you feel they may be an excellent replacement at left tackle compared to another guy. Yep. Right. I agree with you guys. I would, I would keep uh, Evan on the right side. And it actually transitions right into my second question regarding the last lineman roster spot. So hypothetically, let's just say it's between Matt Pear, Corey Cunningham, or Matt Gano. Assuming that Shane Lemieux and Max Garcia make the roster, which one of those three guys that I just mentioned do you think has the best opportunity of making the 53 and why? Hmm. Um, let's see here. I think Matt uh, Gano. Is it Gono? That's how you say it? Gano, Gono, yeah. Gono? I, I, think no. he has, I think he has a good chance of making it just because he's a veteran. Um, and I think that, you know, if Evan Neal is going to be your right tackle and, and, and you know, hoping that he's going to be there all season – I think you want to know, you're going to have to have a veteran out there. I think Corey Cunningham is a guy that still needs a little bit of work. Um, but, you know, I think that – so between those two guys, I think that maybe – I think Corey Cunningham may make it anyways um, just because he's very versatile. But remember this. you got Joshua Izudu, okay, and Marcus McKeith, McCathin. Um, McKeithen, yeah. McKeithen, excuse me. i got to get these names right. <laughs> Which I may never, you know. Well, that. I was saying you were right. You should have went with your first cut. You had it right, and then you corrected Keith yourself. Then. There you go. <laughs> these, these are these are a, a third and a fifth round draft pick. So you know these kind of guys will. I think they're making the team regardless. So that's a, and I think Max Garcia will be your, your will be your left guard, either starter or backup. I think Lemieux will, will win that position. But so I don't know if that answers your question. But those are the guys I think that they would stick around. I think Gono has probably the best chance. I do. Yep, because once again, yeah, he's a veteran. And also remember, they brought him in relatively early in the free agency process, mm-hmm. too. Let's not forget about that. Paert, the reason why Paert is sort of in that gray area, we don't know what his availability and level of participation is going to be once training camp starts. Yeah. It's possible Paert, and I'm not going with any knowledge to say this is a guarantee, but he may start off on PUP. Yeah, he may probably a good begin chance. there, yeah. and and that means Jeff that he could then transfer to regular season pup if they feel he still needs more time to recover. So that means Paired, you don't have to worry about finding a roster spot for Paired. 
because he just sort of goes onto the pup list. So it may be more of a decision between Gono and Corey Cunningham. And then I think it clearly would be heavily in favor of Gono because A, he is a veteran, and B, there was a reason why they brought him in. So I think he would probably have more leverage over anybody else that you named. Yeah. I, I, you know, Matt Parrott, and by the way, you know, Matt Parrott. And appreciate the phone call, you see. Thanks so much. You know, Thanks, he, he had plenty of opportunities um, that was given him to be a starter. And so, you know, he's going to have to kind of fall into good grace with this new coaching staff coming off of an injury. And so all those scenarios may play out, but you never know. Something, sometimes they're just like, you know what, uh, we got to move on. And that's sure. just that's what happens sometimes to players. It's just you run out of new coaching staff comes in and look what happens. You know, I'm I'm, I'm out of here. It's just it's just the nature of the beast with this business. It's a tough one, but um, not to say that he can't go play somewhere else or maybe if he comes off of of his injury and all of a sudden he starts competing. The staff really likes him. You never know what new coaches can do for a player. So there's there's no telling what can happen. Uh, we don't have the crystal ball. That's for sure. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather? when all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Well, and here's the other thing. Versatility, which was a term you brought up with respect to Josh Azudu, the more you could play on the line, the better your chances are, especially if you're not going to be a starter. So the appeal of Paired is Paired could play left and right tackle. He was exposed to that at UConn, and we've seen it here, at least in the NFL. So that at least gives him a strong argument to maybe hang around from that standpoint. And also, remember, he's a third-round pick from 2020. It's not like he's been in the league for <laughs> yeah. 10 years where, yeah. okay, we already know the jury's out. We know exactly what we have. And as I'm going through the list, it just goes to show you there's probably going to be a veteran. Well, no, it's not probably. There will be a veteran that's not going to make the team. I mean, think about it. If we have the five starters and then at most nine offensive linemen, they'll keep. I figure. So that's four backups, Jeff. Yeah. So if we're talking about, just out loud, if you're going to keep Matt Parrott, Max Garcia, Jamil Douglas, and Matt Gono, that's nine. But remember, Azudu's making the team, okay? McKeithen, both of those guys were draft picks. Yep. And I didn't even include them in those four. So that right away tells you veterans are not going to make the roster. It's tough. Just based on the numbers game. Yep, yep. I think you got, you know, the and it. It's tough to go with no veteran backups, that's for sure, you know. Um, but it's it's gonna be, it's just like the wide receiver room, right? We got, I mean, you only have so many spots here. It's yep. tough. It's really tough. Now, once in a while, you'll have the linemen. They keep ten, nine, sometimes, you know. Like, but but that's just if you're, I don't know. It just depends on what kind of a scheme you're playing on defense. Where if you need more linebackers and linemen, you know. So it just depends on what where. Or if guys are interchangeable, in. Jeff, too. Sure. That factors that, in. That's a big part of it, too, yeah. So it, it'll, it's interesting. I, you know, them keeping 10 offensive linemen, I, I, I can't see it happening. But um, it's, th those numbers are tough. We just got a lot of guys in camp that can only make so many, as we always say. Um, the wide receiver position and the offensive linemen, 
we pretty much know the numbers there. What they're gonna, what they're num- within one, right? I think you know five wide receivers are given, seven maybe not, but she's probably going to be five or six. There you go. And the special teams will help determine whether or not they go perhaps yeah. six or seven based on what these guys can perform in practice as well as during the preseason games. And if, unfortunately, of course, any injuries arise, that's why, you know, that's the other wild card with respect to the offensive line. Right now we're operating, hey, all your starters are healthy. It's a given. Things will change during the course of training camp. We've seen it every year. It's just the nature of the beast. Guys will get some bumps and bruises. They'll be out and somebody else will have to move up and that's going to shift players around. So anticipate that. And the other thing is, I think, who, as a backup offensive lineman, proves to be an extremely valuable player that can play multiple positions. Correct. So, for example, Max Garcia, we know, he could be somebody at center and guard. Mm-hmm. Zudu could play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Then you look at some of the other guys that we talked about. They don't have as much versatility in terms of multiple positions, meaning they may be a swing tackle, Jeff. So I could use them left or right, but you don't know necessarily if you want to utilize them as a guard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where that also will dictate who they're going to retain. Matt Gono, tackle, pair, tackle, Jamil Douglas, guard. Do you see some interchangeable usefulness Mm -hmm. out of any of those three guys? That all of a sudden, I think, moves one of those players maybe a little bit ahead of the rest of the pack. And maybe we see that during practice. Maybe we see that during a preseason game. Those are, I think, things to watch when we're talking about some of the backup offensive linemen. Yeah, and it, we're not just talking about the, the Giants here. This, this is for every NFL team that there is. There has to be that versatility that goes with it, right? So Across the league. Absolutely. And, and, and the more you can do, the better off you are, right? So I think that, that's, that you hit the nail on the head with, with as far as positioning there. And when you look at these young guys, they have a more of a propensity to play multiple positions than some of the veterans, and that's going to make a difference. They're not going to keep a backup offensive lineman who can only play one position. Nope. It's very hard to justify that unless, Jeff, and maybe you can weigh in this from your special teams experience, unless they're just blown away by what this guy does in terms yeah. of field goal blocking and <laughs> punt blocking. I mean, no, that doesn't matter. You know? I, yeah. think, I think the defensive line and the, line and the offensive linemen when it comes to special teams, you don't really look a lot of them from them. It's more of the, you know, the – the skill position guys that you that's that makes a difference those guys are just they're they got their hand in the dirt on every play they're whether it's a field goal an extra point um or a run or a pass it doesn't matter they're just playing that position and it doesn't really it doesn't really factor into it in my opinion all right well that is going to do it for tuesday's edition of big blue kickoff live certainly appreciate everybody for tuning in and the fan interaction we're going to be back up and running again on wednesday Earlier time this week to accommodate the mandatory minicamp schedule. So an 11.30 a.m. Eastern start time for Big Blue Kickoff Live each and every day this week. And today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And we will speak to you on Wednesday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games. And no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time. And you'll never have to leave the house. 
Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.